You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey everybody, welcome back to Playoff Drive, brought to you by Buyers Auto. We are here in Miami Gardens, Florida, taking the tour of South Florida. This is Hard Rock Stadium behind us. A lot of construction preparation being done. Uh, he's Berm, I'm Austin Ward. For Monday night, all that's left are for two teams uh, to officially get here, and that was uh, taken care of Friday for Alabama and Saturday night for Ohio State as they left Columbus. They finished up with all testing as we talked about yesterday on Playoff Drive. Uh, whoever gets here, assuming that uh, they're healthy, uh, in terms of injuries, not in terms of testing, they will be able to go on Monday. We'll get two teams uh, and Berman at least, you know, seems like uh, the way this week has worked out that Ohio State's probably closer to full strength than they might be getting credit for. Yeah, and that's, you know, I, I think, again, I don't know. We, I feel like we talk about this all week, but there's been a lot of conversation and a lot of rumor mongering, a lot of worrying and, and, and stress that maybe wasn't necessary. The Buckeyes uh, are in Florida that Saturday evening. It's, um, you know, the game's happening. So it really doesn't matter uh, if they are full strength or shorthanded. They're going to be here. They're going to play and they're going to let the chips fall where they may. I want to just say, folks, if there is an audio wind issue, I'm sorry, but we're doing the best we can to make sure that you see where we are. It's, um, a, it's a taste of the elements. Yeah. Like it's going to be, I don't know how well those that stadium back there uh, fights out the wind, but you know, it's 75 degrees, but there is wind. So maybe if there's a kicking situation, a punting, I don't know. I haven't been inside the stadium yet. I'm, that's just pure guesswork. I'm just going to say this very poignantly. If this game comes down to Ohio State kicking field goals, they're probably not going to win anyway. So I don't think the wind should matter for that. Uh, I've seen enough of Tua and everyone else playing in this stadium. As long as there's not a torrential downpour on, on Monday night, which I there doesn't appear to be, uh, should be okay with the weather. That's usually your your primary concern for any game. Yeah, I'm That's not why concerned. We're in we're in <laughs> Miami Beach, Florida. There is not going to be, uh, you know, rain on Monday night. I uh, I think it's Miami Gardens. Whatever. We'll, we'll get it straightened out. We've been all over yeah. South Florida today, picking up credentials, getting set uh, for Monday night. This this town, um, it's weird. It's there's only going to be sixteen thousand people here for Ohio State Alabama. You could easily sell this game out. Uh, and, and charge as much money as you wanted for these two fan bases. Uh, but there's still all the you know signs on almost every road down here. Uh, you can tell that they're still trying to give it a little bit of that uh, big game feel without the fans because, I mean, this is the national championship game. The two you know most prestigious, arguably, programs in the entire country. Um, and, and that part is a little strange that you're just, you know, it's out here, it's two days before the game. You know, they're saying, you know, don't come, don't come down here. Um, well, I don't, uh, we know why. We drove by the first time and there's about 7,000 cars lined up for COVID testing and vaccine reception. So uh, it, it's certainly a weird vibe just all around. But, you know, come Monday, it's about football and, and the Buckeyes thankfully appear to be rounding into mid-season form for the last game of the year. Uh, but, you know, when you're talking about their eighth game, it is sort of mid-season form. You're starting to see a team that's getting its feet under it and understanding a little bit more who they are offensively, defensively. You're starting to see Trey Sermon start to, uh, you know, become a, a real factor in the offense for the Buckeyes, which we thought he would be all year. Maybe we didn't give enough 
you know, credence to how long it takes to get acclimated with an offensive line or a new playbook or any of the things that come with being in a new program. But, you know, when you talk about this team, they seem like they're ready to go no matter what happens this year, no matter what comes on Monday night. I think that they're going to come out and, and give a performance that people are at least going to be proud of. Yeah, I mean, that was obviously one of the main talking points last week before the Clemson game, the number of uh, of weeks, number of games, you know, whether that was a, an advantage or a disadvantage for Ohio State. Uh, you know, game number eight, that, as you said, midseason form, that's really when you start to find out what your team is made of, and, and you can see that Ohio State's gaining strength. Where in October, yeah, through two weeks, the, what were the questions? Well, uh, what's going to happen with the run game? You know, Master Teague and Trey Sermon splitting carries. There wasn't that real explosiveness, even though Ohio State was running for a couple hundred yards per game, which Orion Day would absolutely take and was taking at that point. And then the secondary. And, you know, I know how many yards Trevor Lawrence threw for in the game last Friday night, but, you know, they weren't really significant yards in, in with the game uh, on the line. Ohio State got the stops that they needed to. Uh, full team defense, but certainly the attention has been in the secondary. And you saw guys... Obviously, Trey Sermon answering that one concern from early in the year and playing at a, a Zeke plus type level. Um, and the secondary, like I said, is it a perfect unit? Does it have two first round cornerbacks and Jordan Fuller at safety? Uh, no, obviously it does not. But Marcus, Marcus Williamson thought the Sugar Bowl was his best game of the year. Josh Proctor, you could see how much more comfortable you know he was in that full time single high safety look when that was what they went to. That he was confident that they trusted him to do that he's obviously going to have to be uh, key on monday night you know sean wade and seven banks seven banks another guy who i thought the sugar bowl was his best game of the year not that he's had any he's been playing pretty at a pretty high level in my opinion anyway and you know what sean wade if he, if so he puts his best foot forward what he's going to do it's so funny sean wade is a first team all-american and he's the guy that buckeyes fans and everyone else seem to kind of point to and say oh, he struggled he struggled he was a first team all-american they didn't have to make him a first team all-american yeah. they hadn't they had built an excuse well they only played seven games they didn't or six games at that point you didn't have to give it to him obviously people that are watching film like what they're seeing out of sean and i i'm personally just i think it's hilarious like the other day sean wade was asked about this game and who he wants to face and of course he said Devonte smith the heisman trophy winner wider bolitnikoff winner who the hell else is he going to say? What is he going to say? I mean, the fact that people, I've seen like reputable media folks in the last couple days go out of their way to call out Sean Wade and say, how dare you? This is a really dumb, what else is he supposed to say? Like, He's an all-American. He was, uh, many of these people couldn't even believe that he chose to come back to school last year because he was projected, he, you know, the grade he got back was not for a first rounder, but a lot of mock drafts, a lot of NFL draft experts thought that he would, you know, could be worth a first round pick if he'd left a year ago. And then he makes the decision to come back to school to play in a game like this in that stadium behind us. And it's like, he's not supposed to be confident when it's, everyone has told him that he's one of the best players in America. It's ludicrous. And that he's a first team All American and he's the Big Ten defensive back of the year. And we can honestly, we can, we can honestly sit here and say, Berm, that I don't think that Sean Wade has played his best football this year completely. And he admitted the same thing the first couple of weeks trying and pressing too hard to go for interceptions instead of you know breaking up passes and you know everybody in that secondary at some point or another has missed a tackle sean wade you know wouldn't be alone there but <laughs> it's not like he's just some uh, random walk-on that they're hoping can hold up against Devonte smith he's a first team all-american yeah and I, I i don't know if i said it on one of our shows earlier this week or not because this week has felt like six years long but uh you know 
I honestly think that Sean Wade matches up better with Devontae Smith than he did with a guy like Cornell Powell at Clemson. Sean Wade's biggest struggles have been against the big physical outside receivers like Ty Ty Frogel and uh, Fry Fogel, sorry, and uh, Powell. And I think that a guy like Smith is actually a much better matchup. I'm not saying Devontae Smith's not going to have 150 yards receiving because he has done that pretty much the entire year, but I don't think that it, it's a, a matchup that is as scary when you're talking about Sean Wade, who to me, his biggest issue is the fact that he lacks the strength to play the bigger outside receivers. I think that the Buckeyes actually like this matchup better than you do the matchups against the bigger receivers. Yeah, and a lot of that too will come down to how long do they have to defend? Uh, you know, Alabama likes to get the football out quick. Mac Jones is not somebody who you, you think is gonna extend plays an inordinate amount of time. So you know, where can Jonathan Cooper, can Haskell Garrett, uh, you know, whoever else, you know, once Monday night when we get the availability report, if Zach Harrison is back, if Tyler Friday gets a green light, uh, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens there um, with everybody who's available. But it's so much of that is reliant on if Ohio State can get pressure, if they need to blitz, if they need to do that, what kind of coverages they're going to mix with. Because I don't think that Ohio State would be in a great situation to just go out old school Kerry Combs and play press man against this team. And I'm curious just how, I don't know, flexible he's going to be with the scheme because that's never been his hallmark yeah um, he's shown some of that you saw it against Clemson shifting coverages and different looks with Marcus Williamson and things like that you know I don't think you have to go full Arkansas which we've heard so much and read about this week with them dropping into eight and forcing you know Alabama to throw for a season low in yardage and I think Devontae Smith only had 22 yards in that game um, you know I don't think they're going to go to that extent but it, it all, all the pieces have to fit together. The pass rush has to be good. And Sean Wade's going to have to win one-on-one -on -one matchups. And I think the fact that you don't have to worry about Mac Jones' legs like you did with Trevor Lawrence, like you have to do with a lot of the quarterbacks in the Big Ten, allows you to send an extra rusher every kind of every play. You have the opportunity to use linebackers in more blitz-type yeah. situations as opposed to having them spy on the quarterback, which you had to do against Trevor Lawrence. So I think that actually plays in Ohio State's favor as well. So defensively, the matchup, I, I think as long as the Buckeyes can put together a defensive line that has four people on it, I think that it's going to be okay. Yeah, well, we know that they have at least four people. Yes, I've heard that. And probably several more than that. Uh, uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that for you. Obviously, we won't be revealing any names uh, until publicly confirmed, either by the players, the families, or the program. Uh, but that uh, will be definite on Monday night anyway. The trip, the Buckeyes are here. The, they're going to be in this building in two days. Berman and I can't wait to get inside for the national title game. Obviously, excitement uh, growing. We're going to have full coverage of it, of course, uh, for you on Playoff Drive, brought to you by Byers Auto and everywhere else on LettermanRow.com for full coverage of the Buckeyes. Stay with us.